So yesterday in the fast lane, pretty critical of Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills and a William & Mary Tribe product because they lost yet again to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know they've beaten them a couple times in the regular season. Actually, the last two years at Kansas City in the regular season. But they haven't beaten them in the postseason. That's how they're judged. And ultimately right now, they've continued to fall short year after year after year. Um, Part of it is just the tactical adjustments and understanding the situation. And I get this defense was kind of a shell of what they were at their peak this year. Matt Milano, linebacker, Tredavious White, cornerback, both out for the year. They got Jones, the defensive tackle, back, but they haven't found a way to maximize the strengths of Ed Oliver, a former first-round pick. Von Miller has been good, but not the version that he was winning championships with the Denver Broncos, certainly, or even being more of a role player with the LA Rams, uh, given the high salary that he commands. And He's probably gone. They're probably going to make a lot of changes. I know Stephon Diggs says he wants to be back right now, but you you do kind of wonder whether with a high salary, the outlook ends up changing. But I just revert back to what Sean McDermott said after those infamous 13 seconds and how it was not throwing players under the bus, but it never felt like there was the full level of accountability that you would want, which leads to not the point of appeasing the fans as much as how introspective you are at finding solutions. Yeah, it's, you know, I just said, hey, we got a, you know, great effort and I'm proud of all of them. And, uh, you know, these guys, these guys came through a lot. They really did. And to come out here and um, the game come down to, you know, pretty much 13 seconds. Um, you know, I think they're all, they all feel the same way I do. We're all sick to our stomach, and it hurts. We work really hard to get here, number one. And then Sean McDermott elaborating, and this is the first of many times they have struggled to get by the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, but wishing that he could take the pain of defeat off the team. I know the fans are disappointed, and uh, I wish I could take that off of them. You know, I wish I could take it, take it off of the team, right? And... Um, but we can't. And, um, you know, what doesn't kill you should only make you stronger. And I think this should make us stronger. It's going to take some time, uh, but it should make us stronger. It never seemed to have, though. And that's the thing about Sean McDermott. The comments we played were after the infamous 13 seconds where the Chiefs got the lead, or excuse me, the Bills got the lead at Kansas City. But as opposed to squib kicking it, They kick the ball through the end zone. And the reason why you would squib kick it is picking it up and running it back to the 25-yard line would take some time off the clock as opposed to no time off the clock from the decision that the Buffalo Bills had years ago. And we rehash that because if there's the lack of accountability, and that's kind of the point that I, I it stood out to me, it's a real issue and concern in how diligent you are in always looking to find solutions. Injuries stink. Player departures are challenging. But you have to find a way to battle and work through that. Remember the year the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs and made it to the Super Bowl? They were behind a patchwork offensive line. Joe Burrow was getting pounded into oblivion. His offensive line was giving up 7-8 sacks per game down the stretch and in the playoffs. He and that team found a way to win the ball game. 
Same thing with this Kansas City Chiefs team this year. This is not the explosive offense. We have, and I know the game tilted over the point total, and uh, you know some of that is the fact that you have really good quarterbacks. But by and large, this is not explosive Kansas City offense. It's adjusting to be more defensive. Arguably their most embodiment of their culture player, obviously outside of Patrick Mahomes, has been Isaiah Pacheco, the violent physical running back to complement a ground-and-pound defense. And yes, it is to an extent easier to have that approach when you know you've got a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that can execute when it really matters the most. But they've evolved their game. And that's been a big part. And so I get some of the feedback that's come in. Carl shared it, and we appreciate it as always. You can hit me up on LinkedIn or Fastlane, Ned Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Trey Lyle VT, his socials to weigh in. But Carl says it's understandable to pile on the Bills and McDermott, but the reality is that Reed Mahomes and company are as formidable opponent as were the New England Patriots. I'll pause right there and say, I don't know if they're quite there, but they're getting close to being in that category because initially the Patriots won, I wouldn't say in spite of Brady, but Brady had complimentary pieces. But by the end, it was Brady elevating everything else around him. And the same thing is happening now. At times, early, Mahomes and company were winning because they had the explosive weapons. Travis Kelsey in his prime. He's not there now. Tyreek Hill. He's gone to Miami. Now they're finding different ways to win. And that's how you become viewed as a dynasty. So I agree with Carl on that point. But he continues to add. And again, please keep your feedback coming. We love it. Fastlane, Nedlane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Trey VT are his socials. But Carl adds... Six straight AFC title games, four Super Bowls, and two wins in the Super Bowls. Mahomes' touchdown to interception ratio is 38 to 7 in 17 playoff games. That's better than the 5 to 1 ratio. And he's lost just one fumble as well. Since Spagnola took over the defense, improvement has been made each year, evidenced by allowing 30 or more points just four times in the past 53 games. They've had one bad postseason loss to the Bucs in the COVID Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, Tom Brady was on the sideline for that one for Tampa Bay or on the field for Tampa Bay. But two others were overtime games in the playoffs and one was by a point. So tip your cap to the Chiefs and absolve McDermott of any questionable leadership. So I'll, again, I'll brush back on this fact. Yes, you've got players that have gone down to injury like Matt Milano, the linebacker, and Tredavious White, the cornerback for Buffalo. And you had a good chunk of the year where Jones, the defensive tackle, was injured, that they got him back. But you also haven't gotten a lot out of that defensive front. You've invested in that defensive line quite a bit. And I'll put Von Miller in that category, although he's somewhat of an off-ball linebacker. But you've invested heavily, yet you couldn't stop the run at all against Kansas City. Carl, by the way, adds, the fact the Bills had only one sack and just five tackles for a loss in two in playoff games is certainly curious. But McDermott is better than all the other Bills coaches since Levy retired. And again, I don't dispute that. Buffalo has been a sieve as well. But what I want if I'm a Buffalo fan, and it's not to say that they need to fire Sean McDermott. I'm not in that camp at all. But I think you can be critical and say this. If you're Buffalo Bills leadership right now, I want a plan on how you're going to retool this roster and what changes you're willing to make in the process. Because the reality is you're not going to be able to hold on to everybody. You've got high-end offensive linemen like Deion Dawkins. You've got Dawson Knox and and Stephon Diggs as pass catchers. And it's easy to say you'll replace the tight end Knox with Dalton Kincaid, a first-round pick. I get that. But probably going to have to find a way to get rid of Stephon Diggs. The defense needs to be retooled. Tredavious White's great when he's healthy, but he's had two season-ending injuries before. 
this is the reality of where you are. Can you retool on the fly? Because that's been something that has dogged really good teams at certain junctures. Philadelphia, they're trying to figure that out now that Jalen Hurts is under contract and they underachieved mightily toward the end of the year. But we've seen it before. The best organizations have found a way to do that. Kansas City has done it. The New England Patriots with Brady and Belichick, they did it as well. And that's something you absolutely have to find a way to do. Speaking of finding ways to do is winning games when you're not your best. And that is the reality as well that has played Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Liberty. We touched on the Hokies earlier today. It'll be up at Fastlane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts momentarily. And the Boston College-Virginia Tech game tonight, 8.30 airtime, CBS Sports Radio, Lynchburg app. But the similarities are always there between Liberty and Virginia, including right now as we get into the weeds. Let's get into the weed. (coughs) Smoke weed every day. Excuse me. Let's get into the weeds where we take a dive into different sports topics here on the Fast Lane. So for Liberty this past Saturday, they never trailed. They led by double digits for the majority of the game. And being over there at our favorite spot, Bel Bel Air or Liberty Arena as others would call it, I mean, this Liberty team looked good. They looked loaded for bear. Man, you loaded! But the reality is, they looked crisp. And it's hard to statistically quantify that. And Richie McKay, after the game, did not go so far as to really clarify whether it was the most complete game or not. But from the naked eye, it sure looked like it. The other night, we had 26 assists on 27 baskets. So, I don't know. You can tell I'm old. But I'm not sure how many of our teams have assisted on all but one field goal in the game so I but I think I think this weekend we played well Uh, like an unspoken narrative of this one might be you know I'm incredibly proud of our group we had a one-day turnaround against a 3-0 team in the league and uh and they just did a really good job of trying to be consistent with what we do every day so I I feel like that's a growth a growth step for us that uh, we can deposit in our bank and hopefully take on the road because we won't get the comfy confines of the arena for a while. Nope, they're going on the road this coming Saturday back to Jacksonville State, though they have a week to prepare this time, unlike the last game against uh, the Jacksonville State. I wanted to call them the Jaguars, but they're the Gamecocks. Um, But Liberty, to me, it looked like their most complete game. Obviously, it's easy to say you have a 20-point lead, you never trail, you jump out and perform, and you have four guys offensively that are in double figures. But it's the way they got to the ball. Kyle Rode was aggressive offensively. He and Joseph Vinzant were charging defensively. Um, McKay's not going to say it, but I will. It was their most complete game. And yeah, there's a value for a team like Liberty seeing this payoff with the win and getting them one step closer, one game closer now, to being back at 500 in Conference USA play. And what's a wide open race? I'm happy for them, yeah. <laughs> it makes it uh, easier on the game when you're making shots. And uh but they really, they really tried hard to keep improving and keep revving it out and not, not, not being distracted or dissuaded by, you know, the misses or the noise that comes with that. That's Richie McKay blocking it out. And, and some of that's the fact that, you know, they say get old and stay old, and that's harder than ever before in college basketball. But I don't think it's impossible. You can get transfer guys that come into a program, and whether it's that or you bring your own guys back. When you have that right mindset – They buy in because they're more business-oriented than they've ever been before because they're focused on getting the most out of their college experience and maybe setting themselves up for whatever lies beyond, particularly if it's basketball-related. And it kind of pivots over to a Virginia Cavalier team as well because they, too, have had their struggles. 
But to their ever-loving credit at Georgia Tech this past weekend, Tony Bennett's squad, they fell down early, but this time they adjusted a lot better than previously have been, particularly tightening up defensively. We show our our inconsistencies early, and I thought once we settled in, we we moved harder offensively, had a bit more patience to, to work them a little bit to get the shots we wanted. And then defensively, we cleaned up some of our coverages and just challenged some guys to to guard um, individually because early they were just getting by us and scoring off some ISO plays, and that can't happen. I mean, they can make tough shots, which they have guys capable of doing, but I thought Isaac, of course, he had a good offensive game, but in the second half, he moved his feet and kept guys in front. Isaac McNeely moved his feet. That's something that Tony Bennett alluded to afterwards against the in the victory against Georgia Tech because the truth is that's something that really had been necessary for Virginia. And Liberty, much like Virginia, they moved defensively, they were aggressive, and it helped them get the win. More on that, plus the Tech Game Recap tomorrow in the Fast Lane.